Hey there, Downpour family. It is always a treat to bring the word. Well, last week we spoke about the presence of God. In fact, if you weren't a part of that uh, message, I'd love for you to at some point watch that message because it was such a powerful moment where we went into the presence of God. We had a time of worship. And I genuinely believe that people had a God encounter. I believe that there was a, there was a weight in the room as we, we were there. And I believe there was a weight in the different rooms and the different Zoom calls. And I believe there were testimonies that came out of that. But today what I want to do is I want to build further on the premise of that. I believe last week was an experience, but today I want to sort of build a framework that I think will help us further this thing. And I want to talk to you and the message that I'm calling is guarding your spiritual hunger. Guarding your spiritual hunger. The main premise of my message last week was about having a hunger for the presence of God and what the presence of God is. But what I want to talk about today is guarding your spiritual hunger. Spiritual hunger is this place where you have an immeasurable passion for the things of God, where things like worship, prayer, pursuit of God becomes your utmost passion. It is a craving after God. Some of you have heard, the, there, was, there, are many, there have been many seasons in my life. Some of you have maybe heard about the time when I was 18, where I had this incredible hunger for God. And the day I came to know I was actually having a hunger for God was when I was outside. I was actually hanging out with a bunch of friends. We actually had a great time. We had a fun time. But there was something in me was like just urging me to go home. Well, I thought, what, we, what was it? I, I thought I was running late for an appointment. There was no appointments, but just something in me was like, I need to get home. And there was this moment I got home and we were living in this two-story house and I got home and I found my, my, my bedroom was upstairs and I, I found myself running up the stairs and midway as I was running up the stairs, I stopped myself. I was like, what am I running for? Like, and all of a sudden I realized that I was actually running to pray. Uh, and it was sort of like, it reminded me of the time when, when I was a kid, you know, when I was 13, 14 and I was playing FIFA and, you know, playing NBA, you know, those, those urgencies as a child that you have when, when mom and dad are going to sleep, I'm going to, you know, jump online or I'm going to play the Xbox or play. That was the same urge that I had to go into the presence of God. And I had never, ever experienced that before. And all of a sudden I said, Alwyn, there's something that's happened to you. There's a hunger that's there. And that's what I'm talking about where when you find yourself running towards God, like it's a hobby, like it's a passion, uh, you will begin to realize that there's a hunger that is growing inside of you. Before I go further, the second thing I think we need to work out is that who is the source of this hunger? I think I can spend time talking about how, how much it is to be hungry for God, how much it is to go after God, but who is the source of this hunger? Is it God or is it me? Some theologians argue that hunger needs to be initiated by God. So there are some people that will hear me and hear this message, depending on the background you're from. You might have a very sovereign approach to God and God is sovereign. And you might go, oh, pastor, you had that hunger because God gave you that hunger. You have that passion to worship and pray like you went after God because God gave that to you. And to that I say yes. but I, and, and the reason why a lot of people say that is because of the scripture in John chapter 6 verse 44 where it says, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. No one who comes to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. So a lot of theologians read the scripture and go, You can't really pray and pursue and go hard after the heart of God unless God draws you in. But what we need to understand is that, is that that scripture is focused specifically on people that do not know Jesus. And that scripture is really saying that 
unless the Holy Spirit convicts our heart, we will not recognize the need for a savior. Which tells us why it is important for those of us to pray for our unsaved friends, for our unsaved families. That's where intercession comes in. That's when, and if you're watching me and you have got someone, maybe you're married to someone, maybe you're in a relationship, or maybe you've got family that do not know Jesus. Can I, can I urge you to go hard after God? Because when you do that, there's a conviction of God's spirit that comes upon them that actually draws them into a need for a savior. But the scripture that I want to build on this whole uh, this whole teaching is from James chapter 4 verse 8 which is an invitation not for non-Christians but an invitation for the believer and James chapter 4 verse 8 says draw near to God and he will draw near to you you've got one scripture that says that it's the father that draws him you've got another that says draw near to God and he will draw near to you which one is it it's it's the premise and the context of who is referring to James in the book of James is talking to the church he's talking to New, he's talking to New Covenant Christians. He's talking to New Covenant believers. He's talking to you and I. Draw near to God and He will draw near to you. When you are spiritually hungry, there's an appetite you carry that seems unusual. Right now, I feel I'm in a season where I'm going through that same season again, where I'm just sort of like, God, I'm going hard after you like I haven't in a very long time. Some examples in Scripture of spiritual hunger. Acts chapter 10 verse 44. It says, while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. That's a very short scripture, but there's a few things that we, we can read into that. These bunch of people that Peter was preaching to had not fully really heard about Jesus. They were what you call Gentiles. This was a foreign God that they were passionate about. But as Peter preached, he did not even get the chance to pray for them to receive the Holy Spirit. Midway during his preaching, people started being filled with the Holy Spirit. Why? Because there was a hunger. There was something in them that began to stir up for the presence, for the Spirit of God. Another sign of, of, of hunger is the story in Mark chapter 2 where Jesus is preaching in a house. And as he's preaching, you know, Jesus, the usual routine is Jesus would preach, then he'd lay hands on a few people, then he'd forgive a few people, have revival. But there was a bunch of boys that said, you know what, we can't wait for Jesus to finish preaching. They literally open up the roof and suspend this body down, this guy who's been paralyzed, and Jesus says in the name, you know, rise up and walk. And literally he experiences healing. Why? Because there was hunger. Our hunger can push and further and advance the heart of God towards us. So I, I want to really set uh, and give us a definition of what is hunger. This is my own definition. It's pretty simple. The basic definition of hunger is spiritual hunger is an aggressive form of faith. Spiritual hunger is an aggressive form of faith. It was by faith that the Gentiles believed that they could receive the Holy Spirit before Peter even laid hands on them. It was by faith that the boys in Mark chapter 2 said that Jesus could heal our friend before the service ends. Hunger is an accelerator for what God has promised you in the first place. And so you might be sort of like, oh, God's got plans and God's got purposes and I've seen visions about my life. But can I say, when you are hungry, you almost throw an accelerant. Hunger is a catalyst in the equation that God predestined for you from the beginning of time. Oh, that is profound. Hunger is a catalyst that you throw in the mix, in the equation that God has predestined for you before the beginning of time. So I want to give us some Questions. This is what I call a hunger assessment. We're going to do a little hunger assessment this morning. Some questions that I ask myself when I'm either stuck or even when I'm hungry for God. But I think it's a bunch of powerful questions. Here's the first one. What do I feed on? What do I feed on? 
I want to ask us this question. What are you feeding on in this season? Are you binging on Netflix? Are you watching movies? Are you just hanging out with friends? And, and can I just take a moment and say this, and this is going to maybe shake a few people, but sometimes even church friends can keep you from the presence of God. I'll say that again. Sometimes even church, sometimes people in the name of God will, will, will surround themselves constantly. I've met people that cannot survive a second without their Christian friends. And I say, hey, I, I, lo I love the fact that you love community, but this is showing and reflecting something even deeper that you actually struggle with being with Jesus alone. And sometimes our own church friends, as amazing that I'm not preaching against that, I'm not speaking against community, I'm not speaking against circles. You know, at Downpour, we value that, we thrive on community. But sometimes that can even come in the way of what is feeding ourselves. And, 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 and so if, if your diet is filled with movies, if your diet is filled with friends, if your diet is filled with things that I can do, Netflix and chills, just hangs in the park, whatever that is, if that is what is constantly feeding you, you'll begin to notice that that'll begin to occupy spaces in your soul. And what, what God gets is the rest and there's not much there. And there's not much that God can really fill. But I found that when I am most hungry, this is, this is just for me personally. I'm not saying that this is a way of life for anybody in this room or anybody watching. But I find that when I'm most hungry, I literally don't want to watch the TV. I don't want to surf the web. I don't want to buy a thing. I don't want to watch a show. I'm just like, God, I want to be with you. And I can't produce that. I can't manufacture that. But those are some of the indications that I'm feeding on something a bit different. I'm feeding on something different. And, and, and sometimes our closest friends and even our families can come in the way of what God wants to feed us. And I find that when I change my diet, I begin a hunger for the right thing. I'm not talking about physical diet. I'm talking about when I change my spiritual diet, which is what am I watching through the day? What am I reading through the day? What are my interactions through the day? When I change that, it changes my appetite. If your world is filled up with all these other things that I just listed, there is just no appetite in your soul. Here's my second thought on hunger assessment. What's my spiritual temperature? Now we just had, it's, uh, in Australia it's winter and there's season changes happening and we are always, especially if you've got a baby like we do, our daughter just turned one a couple of weeks ago. And we're constantly measuring a temperature. The thermometer is out there, temperature, checking, checking. But here's the thing. When you, one of the things that they ask, the doctors ask when you have a flu, they ask this question is, what's her appetite? Because one of the biggest symptoms of a flu is a loss of appetite. And so here's my next question is, your appetite for the things of God is a reflection of your hunger. You might have what I call a spiritual flu, if you don't have an appetite for the things of God, I meet a lot of people in church life that say, oh, I love God, I love the Word, but I just can't get into it. I just can't seem to get into God's presence. And it sounds really noble and it sounds really passionate and they like it's like they're trying, but that's actually an honest assessment. And, and, and praise God, you're aware. You're aware that there's, but really the, what you're aware is, is of a lack of appetite. There's a lack of appetite. And my friend, you've caught a flu and you need to go to a place of health. You need to go for a place of, of healing. I remember uh, some point last year when God got my attention because some of you know my story. I've been in the ministry for a very long time. And I was at this event. I was at this conference sort of a situation. And, and, and it was actually something that I was, I was involved in starting up. And I believed and fasted and prayed for that. But I was at this altar call moment and people were being saved and people were being touched. And, and can I just say, I felt nothing. 
I was just numb. And I was just like, yeah, you're just getting used to it. And yeah, you know, this is what life is going to be. And I, I just said, no, 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 wait a minute. Alwin, why are you feeling numb? I, I said, God, I never want to feel numb. I never want to feel numb when people are saved. I never want to feel, you know, just nothing when people are encountering God. And, and I begin to go on this pathway of saying, God, what has happened to my soul? If there is a lack, one of the things that happen when you have a flu is you lose your appetite and you also lose your sensitivity. Your senses don't work. You can't smell. You can't, when you, your taste doesn't work. Are you not sensing God anymore? You know, you know, when you look back and especially those of us that have been saved for a while, we talk about, you know, when I was first saved, you know, the sky was so amazing. The grass was so green. You know, the birds were singing hallelujah. Like we were looking for Jesus everywhere. And that's what Jesus calls childlike faith. And every now and then, as I mature in Christ, I need to go back into what it is to be a child. I need to say, God, let me never lose my song in my soul. Let me never stop hearing the angels sing. Let me never stop hearing the birds chirp. Let me never stop seeing how green the grass is. Let me never stop worshiping you in the simplicity of what you have created. And can I say, when I'm losing my senses, there's something going on. So we got to ask, our, ask the question, what is my spiritual temperature? In fact, Psalm 42 verse 2 says, My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? I love what David says. He says, my soul, it's interesting. If you, I want you to read between the lines. My soul thirsts for, so David's pretty much saying, I'm thirsty for God. I'm thirsty for the living God. And then he asks this question, when shall I come and appear before God? Notice he doesn't say, when shall God come and appear before me? See, a lot of times that's probably the issue. We think spiritual hunger is about when God comes and appears before us. Can I say to you, so, so this is just uh, being very open about my life. December, end of November, December, January are massive months for my life almost every year. I seem to have a lot of visions, God encounters, things that like God, you know, just visits me in a powerful way. Another time of the year that's pretty powerful for me is June. June's a pretty powerful time. Now, can I just say to you, both, and over the years, both have been powerful, but can I say to you, I, I did an assessment and I realized that the reason why both times are powerful is because both, those are both the times in the calendar year that I choose to lean in. They're both the times I choose to fast. They're both the times I do something strategic to be in a moment, to be at a conference, to be with a man of God, to be with somebody. They're both over the years, over the last 10 years, they're both the most powerful moments in my life and I'm not saying I've got to live in that zone all the time. It's not like I'm not, I'm not always saying, you know, I want to live in June or I want to live in December. But what I'm trying to say is I've found that when I've gone after God, when shall I appear before God? Hunger doesn't begin by God appearing to us. Hunger begins by us appearing to God. Here's my third thought, which is, this is all an assessment. What or who makes me hunger after God? What or who makes me hunger after God? Psalm 42, the same chapter we just looked at, verse 4, this is what it says. Whenever, when I remember these things, I pour out my soul within me. When I remember. One of the greatest ways to have a spiritual hunger for God is by remembering what God did for you. When I remember these things, God, I remember when you came to me in a powerful way in November. I, I remember when you 
came and met me in a powerful way in June 2018. I remember when I was praying three, four hours a day in August of 2018. God, I remember, God, and, and I will meditate and I'll remember and I'll remember and i remember. And as I remember, it positions me to a new place of hunger. It positions me to, you know, if you've ever, oh, there's, there's, so, there's so many analogies and similarities between spiritual health and physical health. If you have ever been physically fit in any time of your life, you just need to remember what you did. What diet was I on? What routine was I on? What time did I wake up? And just spend a little bit of time remembering. And you, you know what? I can do it again. And that's what I've got to rehearse. And I've got to take an inventory of the times that I was most hungriest after God. And you know what happens? All of a sudden it builds an, a craving. It builds an appetite towards God. I find in my life, so this is my inventory. I find that when I'm fasting, when I'm dedicating time, when I, when I take moments in a calendar month and I go, the next three weeks, I'm going after God. And I plan it probably weeks in advance. That's when God's downloading because I've just rostered that. I find that when I, ro- literally, I'm, I don't know if this is the right way to put it. I find that when I roster God in my calendar, God comes in a powerful way so times of fasting times of prayer i find praying with someone he's another thing you want to ask who is it that when i pray with something's happened something happens in my spirit who is it that i pray with uh, oh here's another one reading plan you know uh, we encourage a downpour about reading our bibles getting into reading plan and, and and do when i did that reading plan it was pretty powerful now i know that there are some of our zoom uh hosts that are actually doing a reading plan with these Zoom folks, which is absolutely fantastic. I love that. Massive shout out to Jason and Diana that actually do it. And I heard that they've been doing plan after plan after plan after plan uh, all together. And so it's just pretty cool that you can build community even together and hunger after God. Now for me, on top of that, I also have books. I've got certain books that shape my life. In fact, all my pastors, uh, Pastor Regan's here, you know, Pastor Caleb knows this. There are certain books I say, you got to read this book, you got to read this book, you got to read this book. Because when I read these books, God encountered me in a powerful way. There are certain books that you can pull up and that all of a sudden you can look back and all of a sudden it becomes pretty cool. Now, I read something. Um, I heard a psychologist say this and he was talking about neuroplasticity. And, and, and this was a new discovery that they had of, uh, it's, been, it's been going on for a few years. But the whole thing about neuroplasticity and the reason why they use the word plasticity is because they're saying that there are elements of our brain cells that are like plastic. And, and, and before they did not have the level of uh, discovery to realize that, they just called it growth and development. But now they're calling it neuroplasticity. And the whole concept is that your brain cells can reach to a point of being melted and then reformed again. But this psychologist said that the greatest way, the greatest key they found in any decision you make around creating a habit, creating a hunger, creating an appetite, whatever it is, it's who comes around you in the formation of your neuroplasticity pathway. And so that's why it's so important that don't just say I've got a bunch of church friends. Say when I'm around this person, now he's he's my personal goal over the last season my prayer is that when I meet with anybody, it's not just because I'm Pastor Alwyn. My prayer is that right now is when I meet with anybody, they walk away hungrier than they first met me. It could be a five-minute conversation. It could be a 15-minute conversation. It could just be a walk somewhere. But they walk away just hungrier than ever before. Think about which leader, which pastor, 
which friend, which brother, which mentor, which sister that when you get around, they don't need to have the same habits like you. They don't need to drink the same coffee that you drink. They may not even wear the same clothes that you wear. It does not matter because see, the problem is I think we choose friends based on that. And I've always asked the question, the reason why I've aligned my life with a few men of God is when I align, when I stand with them, when I walk with them, they don't like the same soccer teams that I like. They have different eating habits, all that. But I align my life with them because when I leave the room, I walk out a lot more hungrier. And can I say, when you begin to approach your faith that way, it becomes quite powerful. And I know I've given a lot of practical stuff this morning, and I believe it's going to be pretty powerful as we do this. I want to finish up with one last scripture. Psalm 37 verse 4, it says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. Now, I would always read this and go, yeah, I've got a few desires in my heart. I've got a, I, I, I want this, and I want that, and I want to do this for the glory of God, and I want to buy that. I want to get that pair of kicks. You know, those are the desires of my heart. So I'm going to delight in the Lord. I'm going to delight in God so much that God's going to give me the desires of my heart. But that's not how it works. I've come to realize that when I delight in the Lord, He actually changes the desires of my heart. Just like I use the example of neuroplasticity, He changes the framework, He changes the cravings, He changes, because some of the desires I have were not that godly. And He changes it and He puts in His desires, He puts in His plans, He puts in His purposes. And that's why it's so powerful that we really hunger after God. I want to encourage all of us watching to guard our hunger, to protect our hunger. Not just go after it, but have routine, have things in your place that will say, God, you've done a great work in my heart over the last few weeks. I want to guard this thing. I want to protect this thing. I want to go after you. I want to have some parameters. I want to have some boundaries where I know that this is guarded because for me, the most important thing is my relationship with you. I hope you've been blessed watching this message and I, I want to pray with you right now that God would highlight, and this is one I want to pray for all of us right now, that God would show us one little thing, the Holy Spirit will show us one little step that we need to do or undo that will just naturally create a nat or supernaturally increase our hunger for God. Father, I pray for every person watching. I pray, God, for every person on every Zoom. I pray for people that are watching on Facebook, people watching on YouTube. I thank you, God, that there's no distance in your, there's no, there's no distance in your kingdom. And I pray, God, right now that people would sense your power. But even more than that, that people would right now say, God, what is that one area in my life I need to grow? What is that one thing I need to undo? What is that one thing I need to do? God, give them one little practical step. Maybe it's to fast and pray. Maybe it's to just take time out in your roster, in your calendar. Maybe it's to unfriend somebody. Maybe it's to get a new friend. But whatever it is, Father, Lord, we want to delight in you so that you can put in your desires. And out of that, we will fulfill the call and the purposes and the plans that you have for us. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for watching. We hope you've been really been blessed. And if this message is spoken to you, I'd love for you to share it with somebody. I'd love for you to write to us and let us know what God has done because we believe that God has a great plan and purpose for your life. God bless you.